The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Find out about all of SeaDeck's amazing standard and customizable applications online at www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. The official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to the Golden Mike Podcast, everyone. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan O'Mano, recording down in Orlando, Florida, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Ronix Wake. For 2017, Ronix has delivered nine of the finest redesigned wake surfers in the industry with a revolutionary new fin attachment system. 13 wakeboards created exclusively for the boat and another seven solely for the park. And Ronix continues to deliver an award-winning line of footwear, always focusing forward on innovation. Be sure to check out ronixwake.com for a look at the entire line of products, team, and a dealer near you. Again, that's ronixwake.com. I'm excited for today's episode as my guest is returning to the podcast for the first time in over two years. Today, I welcome back the human earthquake machine, the legend, wakeboarding mags, past Reader's Poll Rider of the Year and Wake Awards Trick of the Year Award winner, Brad Smela. Late summer, early fall 2016, just a couple of months ago, Brad was in Orlando for the first time since his injury. He was staying out at Lake Ronix and was in town for a little physio rehabilitation. He was here for Surf Expo, some business meetings, and, well, to visit and catch up with all of his mates that he hadn't seen since uh, he'd gone home to New Zealand after his life-changing spinal cord injury. While B-Rad was in town, he joined me on stage at the Wakeboarding Mag Wake Awards. We surprised pretty much everyone as uh, only a few had knowledge Brad was going to be co-hosting the event with me. Brad delivered an opening speech like none other. It was emotional, it was thankful, graceful, and funny but appropriate. I don't know how Brad managed to get through it because the emotions were definitely high. I don't think I, I saw a, a dry eye in the entire room and there had to be over a thousand, maybe 1500 people there. He's a master. It was awesome, and I was thankful Brad was able to host with me. I'm just thankful Brad's still around, man. The interview, well, we talk a lot about what's been going on with him. We talk pre- and post-injury, but really it was an unscripted conversation. I wasn't sure what was, well, so to say, what was touchy or hard stuff to talk about, but we just did, and you guys will get to hear it all here real soon. Usually right now I would talk about past events I announced, but I've had a couple of weeks at home since the last episode and my trip to the Dominican Republic for the final stop of the 2016 Malibu Evolution Pro Series and Malibu Boats WWA Punta Cana Pro. 
It was fun as you guys hopefully heard, but unfortunately on my way home from that one, I caught a little cold or something, and I don't know, maybe I was burning the candle a little bit too hard at both ends. Needless to say, I took a few me days, and now I feel great. As I record this, I'm preparing to leave for the Philippines. I'm heading out tomorrow morning for the WWA Wake Park World Championships. I'm recording this thing early because the episode should be posting as I am traveling around. But no worries on the next episode of the podcast. I'll tell you guys all about the Philippines and Cam Sur and CWC Wake Park and Wake Park Worlds and maybe even a little yo-yoing. So in my few-day recovery, I come across some really cool stuff on the web. First, if you guys hadn't seen the series of videos Hyperlight has been releasing all summer long, make sure you guys go and check them out on YouTube. Also, AllianceWake.com. They have a few videos that I think you guys should check out. The new Shane Bonifay and Tony Iacone and Gordon Harrison edits, which all released at Surf Expo. They're all so good, but there's so many more good edits up there. Also, if you guys haven't seen it yet, there's an edit up from the Collegiate Wakeboard Nationals, which I announced earlier in the fall. If you guys haven't seen the CDEC exclusive videos I've been doing, be sure to check those out at CDEC's YouTube channel. They're exclusive videos from every contest I attend, and I think I did over like 25 of them this year, so that's a lot of content for you guys to check out. Another really cool project comes from the world of Wakeskate and the creative souls of Mitchell Cobb and Tad Matthews. iStudioMo is a full-length Wakeskate movie currently in the works. Writers like Brett Little, Andrew Fortenberry, Nick Taylor, and Jan LeCamp are just a few of the dudes you'd expect to see in this eloquent montage of winch spots, drops, ledges, beaches, ditches, and drains all artistically captured and presented in what could be wake skating's most epic film ever. In an age of quick clips and social media and instant gratification, iStudio Mo will be the first full-length wake skate release in years, and I think it's going to be a real frickin' treat. iStudioMo.com, I-S-T-U-D-I-O-M-O.com is where you can find more info, but I'll be sure to keep you guys all posted as well. A quick reminder, the Golden Mike podcast is brought to you free twice monthly and is always available online at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. SeaDeck Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, GoPuck, Hungry Boards, SUP, Malibu Boats, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy, and Leadwake. If you don't already, please follow me, tag me, tweet me on social media, Instagram at DanOTMano, on Twitter at TheDanOTMano, and at the Golden underscore Mike, and be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. Plus, you guys can always reach me through email anytime, GoldenMike at NoiseOfTheNorth.com. Today's audio montage is presented by Ronix Wake, bringing old school and simplicity back behind the boat with their all-new Ronix Fun Board. It's a 5 foot 1 inch directional shaped board designed with four main goals. Fast and stable, mixing your favorite qualities in snowboarding, wakeboarding, and surfing in a fun board to increase your carve count. Perfect for any age, ability, or riding style It's the Ronix Fun Board, available now at Performance Ski and Surf 
or your favorite local Ronix dealer or find out more online at ronixwake.com. Today's audio montage from the 2016 Nautique Boats WWA Wakeboard National Championships presented by Rockstar Energy. The event was held the last weekend of July 2016 and had a really good turnout of riders and spectators both on land and floating out in the water. Have a listen, then I'll be back with the one and only B-Rad Smela right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Rodrigo Donoso, I want to get your take on this weekend's national championships. It was pretty sick, man. Sitting in the water and being that close to the action is always an amazing view, and it's really cool to be out here in Ackworth and see these dudes shred. And it seems like no matter how many times I think they have stepped it up to like the top riding possible, they always seem to blow you away and step it up again. I'm Aaron Lecklader. I'm 34 years old from Columbus, Ohio, and I'm super pumped to win the national championship. Hi, my name is Carson Prouse, and I am 12 years old, and I won Boys Beginner. My name is Ellery Hunt. I'm 18 years old. I'm from Tibia, South Carolina. And I won junior women. Hi, my name is Finn Bullock Womble. I'm 11 years old and I'm stoked to win boys 10 to 13 division. My name is Jesse Deemer. I'm 28 years old and I'm just happy to represent any athlete that has overcome any sort of serious trauma to show that they set their own limits. Hello, my name is Mary Morgan Howell. I'm 13 years old from Dothan, Alabama, and I'm stoked to win girls 10 to 13. Woo! Hi, my name is Max Sidnikov. I'm 10 years old. I'm from Los Angeles. I won the junior boys division. I'm Caden Powell, I'm nine years old, and I just won junior boys nine and under. Hi, my name is Shannon Sahimbas. I'm from Florida, and I won the PCM Amateur Best Trick with my wrap toe side backside 360. Thank you, JD, for teaching me that. Howdy, I'm Christopher Fole, 42 years old. I am from Laval, Wisconsin. I had the most fun on the water, winning Veterans Men's Division. I'm Jody Vermillion. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I'm not telling you my age, but I won Vets Women's. Yeah, loving it, having a blast. Cheers. Hey, my name is Mitch Kapler. I'm 15 years old from Cary, North Carolina, and I'm super stoked to take the gold in junior men. I'm KP Gagnon, I'm 23 years old, and I'm representing from Raymond, Maine. And I didn't get first, Woody White got first, but I'm pumped to be here with uh, Dano the Mano on the Golden Mike podcast. I got second place, and I'm pumped. Great uh, great event. I'm Kyla Hendricks, I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm 11 years old, and I'm so happy to win Amateur Wake Skate. Hi, I'm Kaylee McNay from Portland, Oregon, and I'm 30, and I won Women's Masters. I'm Tom Pezzurnas from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm really stoked to take back-to-back men's two WWA national championships. Hello, my name is Palmer Howell. I won girls nine and under, and I'm so stoked that I won it. Elliot Digney, how does it feel taking your second win here at the Nautique Wake Series? Feels great. I was just expecting just to make it through the finals and just try to see what I could do in my run, see if I can make it to the podium, but I end up winning it. And Amber Wing taking your sixth U.S. national title. Yeah, Dano, I'm super stoked. I've been riding so good this last few weeks, and just to come into nationals, ride really strong, go big, and grab everything, and and ride how I wanted to. It was uh, really awesome. Brian Grubb, the winner of the Pro Men Wakesgate Division, earning your fourth Pro National Wakesgate title. Man, you were last off the dock. The pressure was on. Yeah, I don't know. I just a ton of confidence coming into the weekend and rode well in the semifinals and then wanted to carry that into the finals. 
really pumped, you know, get the win here again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a great season and really looking forward to the World Championships. I am standing here with the winner of the Pro Men's Wakeboard Division, Tony Iacone, taking your first win. Yeah, it was, it's an awesome feeling uh, winning my first Wakeboard World Series event. It's always been a dream of mine to come to one of these events and ride the best I could possibly ride. And today I got it done. It was awesome. All the boys went out there in the final and killed it. It was some of the greatest contest riding I've seen to date and it was, it was awesome to be amongst that and stand up my run. GoPuck is a mountable, compact, durable, and portable rapid charging battery. The technology behind GoPuck started in the indie car racing industry, and now they're bringing their passion about light, fast, and powerful products to the world of action sports. GoPuck allows you to stay connected, capture priceless moments, and most importantly, enjoy mobile freedom. The GoPuck can hold up to five rapid charges. If you know me, you know I don't go anywhere without mine. GoPuck is available at Performance Ski and Surf or online at GoPuck.com. Use promo code MANO2016 for an extra 20% off at GoPuck.com. That's GoPuck.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Be rad, brother. This is our first time. Chilling out in a hotel room since, uh, good God, man, 600 days at least. Yeah, that would have been up in California at the, uh, the tour stop just one week before my injury. Well, dude, it was, it was insane just hearing you talk, uh, you know, in Cali the week before the, before your injury. And, and I remember you telling me kind of where you were planning to go with, with big air riding and, uh, the future of, of kind of yourself and the sport and everything like that. And, and I remember where I was at as well, you know, I, and, and just so you know, you know, I was, I was kind of at the point where I was like, holy smokes, this dude is, is the man who's going to kind of take over my spot, you know? And I, I felt like, you know, we were, we we're kind of grooming you to be the, the next like full-time announcer. I didn't think they were going to be running with two people forever, but man, like we were working together so well and, and, uh, and, and, you know, getting back to hearing your ideas of how, how big air riding and what you were going to do. And obviously things have taken a, a, a huge turn and a change, but, um, you know, considering, your situation and stuff, you obviously have been still continuing, uh, continuing to hold your spot in the industry. And obviously we all, we all appreciate that and stuff. So, um, since the last episode, episode eight, this is well over episode 50 that, that I've got you on. And, um, let's, let's go ahead and let's go back and talk pre-injury two weeks, the tantrum to blind. You went over what the event was rising high. Yeah. Rising high in Germany. And it was, you know, I was stoked to get an invite. That was my first, you know, major event, um, you know, invite-only event that I've been uh, invited to go to since Parks Double or Nothing and I think it was 2007, maybe. Um, and, yeah, so that was super cool to go over there and I'd worked really hard on on big air riding and, you know, just leading up to that. Just, I, I mean, I remember the first time I tried to, Double tantrum over the mega ramp wasn't wasn't long before. I think I'd landed two before I went to to Germany. And and when we did the podcast, it was actually kind of a secret that you had landed those double tantrums. You weren't we weren't or nobody was telling anybody. Uh, I'd heard because my boy Ruck over at the lake has 
you know, he tells me some stuff that's going on and obviously traveling to all the events with you in the same room. I knew, but you guys were kind of holding it back. So you did, you did the double tantrum. You got the invite and that was over at Lake Ronix and you went over to, to rising high. And then from what I understand, the event was awesome, but it crazy dude, you, you didn't end up winning that event. No. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I'd, we kind of kept it quiet and that was more just, just so people didn't really know what I was going there armed with. I wanted to, to surprise people at least, at least until the practice sessions and, we got over there and, you know, I, I actually, I think I skipped the first practice session because it was just cold. I wasn't feeling well. Um, we ended up um, in, in the next practice session. I went out and got double tantrums down. I landed probably five or ten of them in a row. And then and then I landed a toe double back row over the, over the gap as well. And it, you know, landed that one first try. And so things were going really well. And then... And I think it was the next day in the practice session, uh, I yeah, was doing double tantrums again and Brenton and Parks both sort of piped up and started to get me to uh, to go for it. And I tried a couple and they just kept egging me on. I think it was the fourth or fifth one that I actually landed, double tantrum a blind. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So you came back from the trip and start the momentum started flowing right there and um, we announced um, the Cali stop of the Pro Tour. I think it was, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that was it. Yeah. And that was a that was a that was a cool event. It was so hot out, but I mean, I remember um, Jeff Jeff Weatherall came out and you uh, you retired him. I think he beat you in your heat, but you retired him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll always claim. You know, he'll always show the. Uh, the the score sheet where he's he won he around. won the the heat and I got second but you know whenever he brings that up I just ask him who ended up ranked higher at the end of the event so right. <laughs> um, yeah it was it was he won the battle but I won the war I guess sure. you'd say yeah man but, yeah so it was um it was a cool event and um my buddy Jesse was over for it as well and and then yeah I went went back to Florida and the week later you know I'd, I'd, I'd I think we even filmed with Travis Pastrana around that time leading up to that. It was you know, only several days beforehand. Sure. And then 4th of July, had a day off and then went out to film for, for the last day of filming we had for Prime. Yeah. So day of filming. Well, first of all, let's talk about the, the day before, the 4th of July, because I remember seeing those photos popping up. And uh, I, I heard a rumor that you also got like, you, you almost like, Took a bullet for Massey, uh, proverbial. Was that the word? It was basically. Basically, what happened was everyone was out there in the sandbar and uh, Conway, and and we'd all rode out there on like one boat, or a bunch of other people had showed up. And so it came time where we were kind of wanting to get out of there, and I jumped on the boat to, um, to drive and. I think there was four or five of us jumped on the boat and then all of a sudden the boat got swarmed and there was, you know, everyone all of a sudden wanted to leave and come back to the house. And so there's, you know, obviously there's, there were cops there and they pounced on us straight away. Pretty much everyone dove off the boat and swam back to the sandbar, but I just stayed on the boat and I was just like, look guys, I'm, you know, I'm quite a bit older than a lot of the guys here and I just wanted to be responsible and try and get these kids back to the house and, and um 
we ended up just having to park the boat there and get, I think, Tony's mom to come and pick his boat up. But what what did I hear? I heard like like Matthew was like, "No, I don't want to leave you, man. I don't want to leave you." And the, like the cops were coming in. You're like, "Dude, just get out of the yeah, boat, Matthew. Get out, get out." But yeah, so he just he did this funny little little, little like slither off the back of the boat and just real sneaky like and disappeared. I think he like swam under the water all the way back to the sandbar, but. That was um yeah, it was good. I you know, I was just looking out for for some of the ones who maybe might have gotten a little more trouble uh, sure. had the cops sort of uh found out their age. Started or, poking around yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So so the next day you guys are out there at the lake and um and you guys are filming and who's all who's all there at the lake with you that day? Yeah, so we'd had a, a day off, so it was sixth of July that um that the accident happened and so I was getting up that morning, just regular morning, went out for you know, my run around the lake, paddleboard back, stretch on the beach, and um, just kind of warmed up. And I guess I was a little more serious about warming up that morning because I was going to be trying double tangential blinds over a mega ramp before noon, which I, I would never even hit the mega ramp usually before that time unless it was a photo shoot and I'd be doing was, basic grabs. Was that mega ramp set up? at Lake Ronix any different than the mega ramp set up in um, Rising High? Yeah, it was it was a little different. The, I mean, I, I think the height and the gap sort of might have been slightly different. The landing ramp, our one was um, not quite as mellow of a, of a landing sort of transition as the one they had in Germany. And um, the run-ins were pretty similar, but the, the kicker itself, the takeoff ramp, was one that I had built and it was one that I had modeled off one of the XL kickers, which they used in Germany. So it was all very, very similar, but I still hadn't tried any double tensional lines behind that thing uh, over that setup. And so, yeah, we, we were filming with uh, Spencer Norris and uh, Dean, Chad, Marcy, and Pratt were all out there. And um, we just started off, Dean and I were, were sessioning it, and then Pratt and Massey were going to have a go after. and they um yeah dean and i were we're having kind of an off morning like it took me a handful of attempts to get just even a solid double tantrum over it um and just kind of it was feeling a bit off but i just i'd put the pressure on myself to to land it i guess in my mind there was no option as to whether or not that would be the final trick for the lake run section because everyone knew i could do it so anything less would be almost a letdown um, of a trick for for the for the finale. So I yeah I guess I was a bit stubborn and I, I kept going for it and I got really close on the one. You know a lot of people would have seen the footage of the one that I got landed on the board, got to the bottom of the landing ramp and just sort of crushed a little bit on on the water and and yeah the very next go I've got video footage of the crash as well. So have you like watched it? I've watched it a bunch of times. There's probably only ten or twelve people that have seen it. And I know I haven't. Um, I haven't seen it, and I don't know that I, I honestly that I want to. But how how hard is it for you to like watch that footage? Initially, it was obviously very hard. Um, now it's not so bad. I still get chills, but it's something that I've confronted, and and it was I needed to confront that pretty early on just to kind of get that through my head and that's sort of part of this trip coming over to the states now has been the same thing but 
I guess watching that footage, watching the difference between the first and the second one, the one directly before and the, and the second one that I crashed on, you can actually see that I go, because the camera's in the exact same angle, angle. you can see that I, I stand a lot taller off the top of the ramp, so I went quite a bit higher, probably at least, I'd say, three feet higher. And where I ended up landing on the ramp, where, where my board hit the ramp, was... Oh, 10 at least 10 foot further down the ramp down the landing ramp so i think as i took off the top of the ramp i knew that i'd gone too big i was like well this is maybe a little too much and for some reason you know i'd backed out on double tensions plenty of times that's how i learned it i'd do a quick flip at the start and open out and sort of stall out the second part of it so i knew there was always that point in no return where i could before that i could back out open out and i'd just do a single flip and on this one, I guess maybe I just held it a little too long, had gone that little bit bigger, and pretty much, um, yeah, you can see it in the in the uh, in the footage that I just I ba- bailed out and just knew that it wasn't right. And I remember everything through the air it slowed down. You know, it's, as they say, it does does go into slow motion. And um, yeah, just remember. Basically, I was just pulled on the rope to try and pull out of it to try and rather than going halfway into the second flip i tried to like spin out of it ended up a backside rotation and yeah and hit the deck so i mean i was lucky chad and dean were there and let's let's if if it's cool with you let's let's talk about that you are the reason in my opinion that you are still alive um months before months before your injury you got back to the states and you got to lake ronix and and we even talked about this on the last podcast that you and I did. And you made sure that everybody was taking special training. I mean, right away, you got back to the States in what, early March. And literally within a week, you had people there teaching everybody how to deal with emergencies, right? Yeah, Chad and I ended up going to a um, CPR course and and basically learning how to deal with injuries in the water and and... We ended up getting a bit few of the team together and basically running them through the basics of it just in case one of us weren't there. And that was one thing I always made sure of. Well, I, I definitely on that day especially made sure that Chad was going to be there because I knew that if anything went wrong, I wasn't going to try anything like that unless someone who knew how to respond was going to be there. So in a way, it's sort of like, it's kind of one of those things is it's like had I not had the guy on hand that was needed to be there for you know we'd even learnt how to how to flip someone over in the water and protecting a spinal cord injury sure. so protecting the neck and making sure they don't damage it even more so it's a bit eerie how that all played out sure. but um, you know obviously they Dean and Chad were the first to get to me and they got me turned over. I was face down in the water and probably hadn't taken a breath for a minute or so. And um, yeah, they flipped me over and Chad kind of propped me up on a um, paddle board. And I think either one of them were about to do CPR or mouth to mouth. I must have known because I started breathing straight away. So you, <laughs> so, so, so they come in for the real thing and your eyes just open back up. And so between the time that you crashed on the ramp everything I, I assume just goes black yeah I, at the time I didn't 
I didn't realize that there had been that space in between. So it was just sort of like I'd blinked my eyes. Well, it's kind of like um, just getting knocked out cold, right? I mean, yeah. I think we've all... You come to and you do, it doesn't feel like it's been a couple of minutes. It sure. feels like it's just been a second. So uh, so you so you come back, you're breathing again, but you're you're obviously immobilized at this point and you 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 look up and and you who do you see? You see Chad and Dean right there? Or? Yeah, well, I just I you know, I remember hearing their voices and kind of, you know, I wasn't able to look around but saw that, you know, that the boys were there for me and it was um it was actually quite strange because my first thought was, I mean, after, oh crap, well, I used probably a bit stronger words than that, but after that, my first thought was, all right, I've been here before, let's just stay calm because it'll come back. Because back in 2008 or 2007, I think it was, when I was in the UK after winning Wakestock, um, I took a pretty solid back edge on a on an air roller blind around the corner at a cable and just got KO'd and remember coming to and sort of was looking up at the surface of the water. I hadn't floated back up at that point and I started to try to paddle myself to the surface and nothing was moving. I couldn't move my body. Just there was this pain through my neck and there was this uh, ringing in my ears and so I couldn't move and I floated to the surface and I lay there for about 30 seconds and then I started to be able to move again. So I must have, now that I think about it, I must have heavily impacted that pretty similar spot on the spinal cord um, back then. And so, you know, coming forward to two years ago, this same thoughts, I was like, it's all good, this is going to come back and then got pulled back to the beach and... Um, yeah, and I just remember sort of realizing after five minutes, ten minutes, however long it was, it just obviously wasn't in a good way. And um, they got the paramedics out. Param- I, I heard that. I heard that um, you were like telling those guys not to call the helicopter. Yeah. So the paramedics got there. Um, they came in in the ambulance, and then because uh, Pratt basically raced to the front gate. Um, got them, guided them back there. And so they were probably there maybe 15 minutes after the crash. And then the they basically were like, yep, we've got to call the, uh, we, we need to get the helicopter in. What about their impression of Lake Ronix? Like those guys had, their minds had to be like, do you, do you recall at all? Were those guys like, what is this place? Or I, were they just? I don't remember. To be honest, I don't even really remember them being there. I remember just the fact that I got put on a backboard and had a neck brace on. Um, but yeah, I think I remember uh, Chad may have already still been on the phone with the paramedics or someone at that point, and basically that just said, "Yep, yeah, we need a we need to bring a helicopter out." And I remember talking to Chad, uh, turning to Chad, I was like, "Don't you call that helicopter? That thing is going to be so expensive." And obviously, that's all I was really thinking about at the time was because I think someone had told me that. An ambulance call out's fifteen hundred bucks, like minimum. Yeah, I think it's I, I, I'd maybe add another zero. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, I know I'd hate to know what a helicopter was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, the, I was thinking it'd be about fifteen grand or something. And to be honest, I mean, it was obviously silly, but money was a big factor for me at the at the time. I wasn't making a lot of money and was having to scrape by and didn't have travel insurance. Didn't have health insurance or anything my travel insurance had run out and 
I was in the process of trying to get health insurance sorted. So, yeah, and then pretty much from from the paramedics getting there, I remember the helicopter landing. Um, I remember taking off. I remember landing, and then I remember going in for my MRI. And the last thing I remember was Chris O and Brenton sitting there in the room with me, and I was just talking basically like... I mean, obviously pretty upset at that point, basically saying, like, why why the hell did I back out? And that's pretty much the last thing I remember for the next week. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break so I can remind you all to sign up for your chance to win 500 pounds of lead wake ballast free this month on the Golden Mike podcast. Don't miss out. Message me today. For anybody not familiar with lead wake, lead wake bags are designed with wake surfers and wake boarders in mind. Lead wake bags can be stacked and placed in tight spaces. Custom designed lead wake bags are easy to shift around in your boat and will help clean up any wake without having to fill excess water bags or move your friends around. Best part? Lead wake bags ship free anywhere inside the USA. You can find out more at leadwake.com. Also, as I mentioned moments ago, the Golden Mike podcast and Jared over at Lead Wake are giving you the opportunity to win 500 pounds of Lead Wake bags free this month. Here's how to enter. First, find Lead Wake on Facebook and like their page. Then send a direct message to me, Dan Mano, through the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page with either a photo of or a verbal description of your jankiest ballast setup ever. You have until November 14th to send in your submission. Myself and the team at Lead Wake will choose our favorite submission and announce the winner on the November 16th episode of the Golden Mike Podcast. The winner will receive 10 50-pound lead wake bags shipped to their front door. So don't miss out on this awesome opportunity. Submit now and keep those fingers crossed. Now let's get back to the conversation with Brad Smela here on the Golden Mike Podcast. I want to I want to touch up one more part about um, what happened that day at the lake. You were wearing a Coast Guard-approved vest. Yeah, I always did. Uh, there was... There were a couple of years, you know, years ago, where you know, go for the um, the regular impact vest, and I just I decided, you know, with the the vest that I was rocking, it was not that much thicker than any other one. And I've heard stories from Chad and from you know, seen stuff happen with other people that just made me want to take those precautions. I obviously wearing a helmet, and um, and I think you know, my helmet sort of blew off my head as I as I impacted so there was obviously a lot of impact on, on the, the back of my head so who knows had I not wear, been wearing a helmet I could have ended up with some brain injury and to be honest the only thing worse that I can think of than being in a spinal cord you know having spinal cord injury and not being able to move my body is not being me anymore you sure. know a brain injury and not not being myself um, so I guess I'm pretty lucky to still have that it always goes back I don't know if you um, heard about ever heard about Corey Kraut in the late '90s? You know, with the Double Up Crew, you know, with Greg Nelson and Colin Wright yeah. and all those guys, and uh, they were out riding on a river. He's one of Rodrigo's uh, best friends, and Corey did a trick and he went down, and they couldn't find him anywhere. And you're doing that to your crew, and you know, and 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 God rest his soul, you know, Corey Kraut. But 
like what's the advantage you look cooler in the photo you know what i mean i, I don't know mm. i don't know and it's i guess when you look at it as the people around you that it affects like to me i mean i, I couldn't look at a lot of my family and friends in the eye for you know a long time after my injury because I would see like the pain that I was putting them through like that that my injury had put them through and I guess in a way it's selfish like you you don't think about the the people that you affect with you know when something like this can happen it doesn't just affect you it affects your family and friends and all the people around you and and I guess in a way I'm lucky that my injury touched a lot of people in the industry like it affected a lot of people because it did hit so close to home and I was just lucky that 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 brought about the amount of support fundraising and awareness and things like that um and the fact that you know I'm back here now in the states and I have just such an amazing support network around me so let's talk about that support coming coming you said it was about a week um, you know, after you got to the hospital and you remembered, you know, the part with Chris O and, and Brenton being in the room and then, um, about it, it was about a week before you kind of came back to, how long was it before you found out about all the support and all the people who were rallying for you? I think I actually, I must've known about it. Obviously I, I, I would have been conscious throughout that week, but I just have no mem not much memory of it now. Um, because I remember it's kind of a funny story now and I won't go all the way into it but I ended up uh, getting a really high temperature uh, up to 108 degrees Fahrenheit um, which you're verging on brain damage temperature there it's pretty pretty gnarly on the body and that that part's not funny but the funny part is I ended up having some hallucinations and I thought I'd been kidnapped and it was um it's just a weird, funny situation. That how it all sort of. You know who kidnapped you? <laughs> it was. Um, it's the weirdest thing. If for anyone, if for anyone who's ever been in a situation where they've seen someone hallucinate, like you know, they'll come up with some really weird connections in their brain and really weird things going on. But even talking to Matt Manzari, actually, he was telling me that apparently he was um, he was hallucinating that he had to give his bedpan to Parks so that he could get it to me because I was in the same hospital and apparently I needed it. But that was that was Matt's hallucination. My hallucination that it was that I got kidnapped by wake skaters. And it's so bizarre that, you know, I have absolutely nothing about wake, against wake skaters and I hope they don't have enough against me to kidnap me. But... Uh, but so I, I guess one of my nurses that was there that was working that night has uh, some similarity in the way they look to a, uh, a, a wake skater that I know. And so I must have just made the connection in my brain. And the next thing, so going back to the, the money that was raised, I'm kidnapped in this dark hallway crammed in a shopping trolley is basically where I was at and next thing I'm be begging for my life trying to or for my freedom trying to I think I was offering about 30 grand at that point because I think that's how much I knew was raised so that's how much I knew was was on hand or you know available to try and get my freedom back so it was a pretty bizarre scenario and 
and I remember waking up the next day and I was still convinced that I'd been kidnapped and it was it was crazy. I mean I got I got really lucky I didn't actually get kind of yeah brain damage or get get um yeah hurt with that yeah you're on it dude yeah um fundraising dude how i mean i don't know if this is an appropriate question or not but like like how much money was raised for you there was an incredible amount raised um amongst the the wakeboard community here in the u.s all over the world back in new zealand was um you know, there was a lot of money raised and I mean I was lucky with a lot of family friends chipped in some money and, and um, some of my mum's clients and things like that so we did get really lucky um, I think the we still I think hold I think I'm the second highest amount of money raised on the Give a Little website in New Zealand um, for an individual and at the time, it was the largest amount of money, but it was, I think, around $230,000 New Zealand. Um, and then on top of that, there was, I'd say, at least maybe another 100 that had come through or more. I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know the, the exact number, but it was it's an incredible amount way more than what i would have expected or i mean i didn't expect anything that's got to be uplifting too though right definitely and and to yeah to see that sort of generosity and and the fact that the fundraising's still going i mean even you know yourself with the yo-yos and and the wwa getting the t-shirts out there i gotta i gotta ask you about that because i'm wearing a b-rad shirt i'm wearing the one of the the ronix brad shirts right now the one of you back lip in the wall um What's what's that like for you? Um, I, am I just a fanboy now, or, or what's? Because I, honestly, I would have worn a shirt if I could have taken that Instagram photo that I posted of you from Cali. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. I one, remember but, the one. I got in trouble for that at the time. Actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. That was my fault, though. Why didn't I get in trouble? Because uh, I was the one who made uh, that. Oh, you got in trouble because of, oh, from a girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah. Well, I was just I was like. You and I were like neck and neck and followers, and I was, and I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this guy just did a double backflip to blind. He deserves at least a few thousand more followers than I've got at the time. <laughs> which, uh, which, yeah, definitely came came along. But uh. yeah, the whole, I mean, the t-shirt thing. I mean, that t-shirt in particular, I love it. Like, it's that's my favorite shot, or at least one of my probably in the top three favorite photos I've ever got on a on a wakeboard and it's um yeah shot by bear and he just yeah captured an epic moment and i think it just it goes well it's not a super flashy it's you know you wouldn't really know who it is if you didn't know so it's not i don't see it as a fanboy one but i love the i love the uh like the the original um sort of stay strong brad tease with me with my arms up in the air and things like that i mean it's and i don't see it as a fanboy thing i just think it is you know obviously support and people just stoked to to have been able to help in a way because any you know any money that anyone who's got one of those t-shirts has donated like that's what it's about that's where the money from those tees was going and um so that was really cool to have just just the all the different campaigns that have been going out i mean i've i've done a couple of fundraising things myself with my own tees but then people that that are just out off their own backs or put their own money down and and um, you come up with these campaigns and 
I mean, there's, yeah, I, I don't want to start naming names because I'll forget way too many people that deserve to be named. They so know. They know who they are. They definitely do. So let's, well, let's talk about physio and rehab um, through social media. And even when you were in the States at Shepherd Center, like right as soon as you were able to start, you started. I remember you kind of showing me like your bicep sort of. Uh, you were sort of showing off the guns. Yeah, yeah, sort of able to kind of flex it out, and that was like slightly more of, after. More of a pea shooter at this point. It's yeah, a, yeah, well, but yeah, no. Uh, about three months after my injury, I was able to get start getting flickers back in my biceps, which is lower than the level of injury they, the level of movement they said I was going to be able to get back. And I guess if you define movement, then you know I just still don't have that ability to move bend my elbow, but the the muscle flickers in my biceps have definitely gotten stronger and yeah it was just something early on I really that was it that was all I wanted to focus on I was like well I'm in this situation there's only one way I see myself getting out of it and that's the same way I've done th- always done things and that's to work hard so so I see like right now just look, watching you you're, you're shr- you shrug your shoulders you can you can use your shoulders um now I've also seen and and I know from talking to you on FaceTime and stuff you told me it was kind of tricks and stuff like that but I've seen you use your hand to operate your chair. Yeah, so we've got uh, an armrest that we just clip in on the side, take this armrest armrest off, and it's got a joystick for me to drive around. And it's not, it, it, you know, to a lot of people if you don't know what's going on, you'd think that I'm able to move my hand again because that's what's sitting on the joystick but the, the movement's coming from my shoulder so using internal and external rotation as well as a push forward and back um, I'm able to to yeah maneuver my wheelchair around around the gym I've got them to increase the speed now and um, you know I've been driving around the parking lot and things like that at, at my physio sessions and yeah they've set some cones out I'm able to zip in and out of the cones even backwards like I've got really good control with it only problem is my shoulder tends to fatigue after about an hour um, and it gets pretty sore for about the next day or two so I tend to only do it maybe two or three times a week and at this point I guess it's something that is cool and it works and it's something that I can do but in terms of being practical I don't know if it's really going to be something that I'll be doing full time for for a while yet because if if I go over a bump and my hand falls off the off the joystick then I don't have the ability to pick it back up and put it on there so and you never know I could it could it put me into a spin could be dangerous if I'm on the side of the road you know driving down the footpath so it it's cool though I mean those are the types of things I mean that was huge progress for me that was the first functional movement I had below well functional movement in general apart from using a mouth stick to text on my phone so everything else pretty much yeah that was the first thing that i was able to do on my own below the level of injury so let's talk about this trip dude you're finally back in the states uh you showed up in america you know a few days before surf expo um you had some some speed bumps getting over here to the states um we also surprised everybody you and i knew this for months um, you surprised everybody and you came in, you co-hosted the wake awards with me. So, um, getting over to the States, I can't imagine that that can be easy. And, and as I know, 
people probably listening don't know this, but you were supposed to get in maybe a week earlier, do some run-throughs for Wake Awards, and uh, you ended up having to stay home. Yeah, I ended up in the hospital with just a complication. It's a usual complication with this sort of injury um, because I've got a, a catheter that sort of goes in through just below my belly button into my bladder. Um, so having that sort of tube going through my skin there, it just it means that there's a, a real chance of, of infection. And so I ended up with a bladder infection and ended up back in the hospital for a few days. And unfortunately, that meant... I had to delay my flight, and that also meant I wasn't able to go to Germany for Wake the Lion. So I was, I was pretty gutted about that. But you know, at the end of the day, my health was, you know, was the main thing. So, so you, but you recover from the you you recover from the bladder infection, and obviously, I know once again reading through the social media feed, you were bummed because people were helping get you to to uh, wake the line yeah. in Germany, which you ended up not being able to go to. Yeah, so I mean, in a way, I felt like I let some people down. And so, you know, I t- tried to be as apologetic and hopefully people were understanding about it, but which I'm sure they were. And and so then going on from that, I ended up, so it was 10 days later, I ended up, you know, flights ready to go, get in the van, drive to the airport by the time I arrive at the airport and this is in New Zealand winter I'm drenched in sweat and my blood we checked my blood pressure and it was up at around 188 over 110 which for me would usually be 110 over 70 or something so my skyrocketed blood pressure and I just I knew there was something wrong and it's it's one of these things you go through a bit of a checklist and so we we did that, we tried to figure out what it was, but we were parked at like right outside in the drop-off area at the airport. And I'm sitting there going, I will do absolutely anything to get on this flight, but I cannot get on the plane like this. Um, and so I was, I mean, I broke down. I was like, I felt like everything was working against me. And luckily I had, so my friend Brent, who's working as my caregiver while I'm over here and traveling with me, had him, Fiona, who's my main caregiver, and, and um, my mom as well. And so mum ran into the airport to try and get uh, somewhere, for like a medical bay or somewhere for me to get transferred onto a bed so they could check out what the problem was. They had nothing there for me, so she raced across the road, booked a hotel room out. They got me in there, transferred me out of my chair, and within a minute I was feeling a million times better. So what it turned out to be was a block in my catheter and we just, just through a change of position, managed to get it clear and got back up. And unfortunately it was one of those, not one of those uh, hotels that charges by the hour because <laughs> we were only there for 20 minutes. <laughs> so, um, Did you did you at least have one of those uh, quarter machines so the bed could vibrate or anything? <laughs> oh, I wish. We were, trying to, we were thinking of taking some stuff from the minibar, but they probably would have charged us on yeah, top of that. Yeah, a little so. extra. So we, anyway, I made it to my flight, um, made it over here, and, and so it was, yeah, the, the flight and everything was, was pretty easy, you know, apart from some of my equipment getting damaged on the way over. Um, but yeah, so got here and pretty much got straight into just, we filmed a four days, uh, four days for a New Zealand, uh, news segment, which came out unbelievable. It came out really well. I was really happy with it. And that was all about the revisit to Lake Ronix revisit, basically facing the demons of 
the location of the crash went straight back there and you know had a moment that that first day was was pretty rough emotionally but got that behind me and how much stronger does that make you feel though now that you've done it oh yeah a lot stronger it's um it was something i needed to do and i knew i knew going into it that it was something i'd just be able to work through but i knew, i also knew that I've, I've learned there's certain emotions you just need to need to accept and allow them to do the, you know run their course and it was something i needed to do so that was really cool to to get that done and then part of that filming was you know we caught up with the whole ronix crew came out we had a good grill out and and yourself and you know just was a, a whole bunch of friends came out i think me and uh, uh gunner daft were the only two non um like full-on affiliated with the team guys that were there yeah and so that was um it was it was really cool just to have everyone out there and and this these last couple of weeks i mean we're, we're two weeks into my trip well over two weeks into the trip here now and it's just been packed full. I've been doing yeah, physical therapy at Project Walk while I've been here. I've been catching up with friends all over the place, filming, and as you mentioned, the Surf Expo and Wake Awards. Let's and- talk about it because I've I've wanted you and I haven't really had a chance to chat too much about that since Wake Awards. Um, we surprised the crowd. We really did. It was super cool. I um, I was I was really nervous going into it, and I I kind of. I was a bit a bit late on writing my speech as I did, you know, the uh the deadline monster started to really uh creep right. up on me. So but you were having a kind of a rough day that day too, right? That yeah, I was. I wasn't able to make it to the to first practice and, and so we just um I, I ran through my my speech or my you know, what I was gonna say out the back beforehand and even while I was while I was saying it then I was getting choked up and I was messing up the the you know, what I was gonna say and got up on stage and all the way up until that point I was nervous got up on stage saw you up there rolled out and turned to face the crowd and there's there's a thousand people sitting in front of me that's the biggest crowd that I have had to address face on and not you know not just an announcer's stand at a at a wakeboard contest so I mean it was with, it was basically your I mean that was like your state of the union to to the people that for a lot of people that was the first time they'd ever seen you uh, outside of in person, you know, outside of the video stuff. And uh, and for a lot of people, a lot of the riders, uh, it was the first time, too. And um, I know it wasn't I know it wasn't the first time you'd seen him. But I mean, obviously, it was an emotional moment. And then and on top of it, you have Matt Manzari come up onto the stage. And, and yeah, that was it uh, was a really cool moment having having Matt come up but going back to the very beginning when I turned to face the crowd I was um I kind of you know I was nervous and I turned and I looked and I was like everything just calmed down instantly because I was like these are my people it's funny how that happens right and I guess in any other situation if I was addressing a thousand people that didn't know me the first couple of minutes you know I'd have to be get them on my side basically like get them to kind of believe what I was saying or, or really listen to me but that whole place went quiet and yeah I, I just the pressure was off I I, I knew that I, it didn't matter to me like that if I screwed up or if I you know messed up what I was saying because these are my friends and my people there and they're the ones that have been supporting me and so it was really cool awesome to see Matt I mean I got to catch up with him 
not long before that at, at Battle Falls, and I've had the opportunity to hang out with them a little bit over the last um, over the last couple of weeks, and so that's been really cool. Because I mean, yeah, we we're in the same hospital, fighting for our lives together, and even though we didn't know each other that well beforehand, we knew each other, but sort of never really had a, a long conversation or anything like that. So for yeah, someone like that, for us to be going through some such similar things that brought us so close, even though we didn't really know each other that well. Do you, you and Matt stay in contact at all, like through the internet or anything like that? Um, a little bit. It was it was really hard to know what you know not what to say to him, and I'm sure for him to know what to say to me. It was just I think the main thing that that brought us together is that we both had the industry supporting us and and you still do yeah really do and and that's the most incredible thing that's what as i mentioned in at wake awards that's what's amazing about this community is that we rally behind people that need it and and um yeah it's just it, it makes you really realize how genuine of you know the type of people that are involved in the core part of this uh part of this industry Beard, I know it's not easy, dude, and I like definitely appreciate you for sitting down and, and chatting and opening up, and I'm sure, I'm guessing there's some stuff that we just talked about that you probably haven't talked about to some people, and now it's like, it's pretty much out there. Uh, I want to, I want to, I'm going to let you get out of here in just a moment, but before I do that, I want to get onto a different subject here, and I want to find out, since since uh you have kind of been away from kind of the u.s scene and competitive riding and i know you've uh been a part of some events in new zealand and stuff but i know that you follow the sport of wakeboarding definitely and i want to get your take on what's going on right now i want to hear a couple of uh negative thoughts and a couple of positive thoughts about the industry and kind of the direction of the sport since uh since your injury yeah well i guess um Hard to know where to start. I mean, I, I guess I have been watching a lot of of what's been going on. Not a huge amount of contest stuff. I, I watch the recap um, when they come online, but I've really been enjoying seeing the progression continue to skyrocket in terms of the competitive like consistency and the the types of tricks you're seeing in contest runs these days. It's insane from something a few years ago you'd maybe see one double double flip if you're lucky and it's like you're not you're not getting on the podium if you don't have one or you know or at least you know it's um at least you know nines and double flips and and even tens going down in contests off the wake and it's it's really nuts but free riding as well there's just been some really cool stuff going on x games real wake all of that has just been insane. You know, obviously, mad props to Brenton Priestley for taking that out and winning Rider of the Year, and um, that was that was a really special moment at Wake Awards having uh, having Brenton win that because I've I've known Brenton since we were both really young. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to kind of pinpoint negative things. I guess it's the industry is so it's changing so much and it's changed a lot since I first started coming over here and and that you know that was 12 13 years ago and you know you don't see incentives anymore and in contracts because 
photos get posted every day on Instagram and web edits posted online all the time and it's it makes it a lot harder to I guess to stand out in a way or to to really yeah, I don't know it's it's you have to know how to market yourself through social media through the new channels without going over the top at the same time I think it's important to release web edits and to put photos up online but if you're doing posting something every every day or every week of what you've been out riding what you've been out there doing then there's never going to be any surprise there's never going to be any of like anticipation like I remember back in the day waiting for those new the new magazine or the new movies to come out you know that the the new hyperlight movie with Danny and Chad and Parks and and everyone just ripping and because that would that would be the the benchmark of wakeboarding for that year and now if someone lands something you're seeing it an hour later on sometimes on it's not even that person who's posting it exactly some rando from their boat so it does make things it's the the whole dynamics changed it's uh it's there there are some tough things going on with um things like board sales boat sales i mean you know there's a lot more i feel like maybe more money going towards wake surfing because wake surfing's really taking off and i mean it's it's hard because if you, you feel like wakeboarding is is more of a sport that you see and think of as a competitive sport whereas wake surfing you think more of go out on the lake with your buddies and go wake surfing it's definitely the competitive side of it but it's it's interesting seeing what's going on with sponsorships and even energy drinks and things like that it just sponsorship seems to be on a little bit of a rocky path at this point uh, from what i can see and it's yeah it's it's kind of scary in a way but i think there's there's a lot going on there's a lot of new products coming out there's a lot you know that might be you know want to be involved in sponsorship there's there's a lot you can do online social media and different ways you can promote yourself and different ways you can stand out so that's really interesting to see how kids are getting creative and and making themselves stand out um that's it it's all about being creative now definitely Keep being creative and working hard, man, not, t- uh, you know, that work ethic, man. I think that's what, what really comes into play. I think you showed that to a lot of people, too. And, you know, uh, if if you would have been injured, I have no doubt in my mind. I was telling people literally the week before you were injured, I was so proud of, like, like our friendship that you and I had kind of grown through, through announcing together and sharing the hotel rooms. And I was like, dude, I am literally riding around with the guy who's going to be the face of wakeboarding like you know and uh, and i mean in a way you you kind of turned into that person you're probably want to become you know one of the most recognizable wakeboarders of all time at at this point and obviously it's not necessarily in the the way you wanted but you were still able to to change the sport and i would say in a positive way well and i think the way that things were going and um, like everything was starting to pay off for me because I had learned that you, you got to realize when to put the work in and when it really 
counts and basically even just conducting yourself certain ways and and getting involved in different aspects of the sport so i mean for me the the emceeing stuff that that we were doing for the the last couple of years before my injury was it was my way of getting to events and not leaving losing money every time and that took the pressure off and made my my riding my contest riding better then when Lake Ronix came along I saw an opportunity that I could live at this epic private wake park and all I needed to do was work there and and I was doing fun stuff stuff that I enjoyed building ramps and rails and things like that I mean it was I mean it was was hard labor but maybe not necessarily work yeah exactly and I think that started to get noticed. People started, you know, I started to get a bit more respect from the the people I was riding with. I mean, I was always friends with a lot of them, but I think they started to to view me as a bit more of a leader in terms of, you know, I wasn't out there telling them what to do or anything. I was just leading by example and they'd, they'd see the work I was putting in and want to do the same thing because they'd they were proud of the place too and they wanted to you know to be able to to look out there and go oh look i built that and i built this or you know we made this happen or we we collectively made lake ronix happen and that's something that i'll always be proud of for myself and for the team um and you know a group of them in particular that that really knuckled down and we're out there every day and pretty much yeah made it into what it is now and there's still a lot that's going to happen out there it's exciting and and i just i'm excited to to be involved again I just getting back here to the states being back out at lake ronix it brought back all of the visions and ideas i had for that place and straight away i was just talking to paul o'brien and just like hey i want to get involved i don't want you know if i'm going to be earning a salary i don't want handouts i want to earn it and i want to be involved and i want to try and make this place as cool as we can so do you foresee yourself coming back to the states more often now i'll be back early next year uh i've got a, a pretty good excuse to come back for being the best man at my friend alex's wedding so that'd be really cool and i figure if i'm coming over i may as well stay for at least a month so good we'll call. see how things go and, and i'll be seeing you guys early next summer good on you be rad you're an inspiration to all of us my friend and uh your strength it's just it's it's unbelievable man it's un. Believable. <laughs> All right, man. Um, what do you want to say to the folks out there? Anybody who's kind of helped you along the way? And uh, then we'll finish off with some sponsors and uh, social media stuff. Yeah, it's basically, uh, it's hard to to name anyone in particular because there's so many people that have helped. But just to everyone and any, anyone and everyone who, even if it was from sending me messages of support, donating um just in general just supporting me and and helping out i mean obviously my family i can't thank them enough for for everything they've done and and been there for um for me and and you know the for what i've put them through and and i guess um just yeah close friends people that have helped me get here to to the states and and help me with my trip and um anyone that's willing to help going forward just Stay tuned on on my Facebook recovery page, um, which is currently Brad Smaler's recovery, soon to be changed to B Rad's movement. As soon as I can get Facebook to change it for me, because they refuse to. <laughs> but uh, 
maybe we'll get you help with that. We'll we'll get everyone to, to email Facebook. Yeah, and, come on, Facebook. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, hey, drop it. All any any of the sponsors that you want to send some love to, and then also um, where people can follow you, find you, all the information and everything. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, big ups to to Ronix. Uh, they've been there for me through this whole thing, and and um, continue to to help me out and support and and um, you know thanks to Spy and to uh, to iLab Clothing and um. Air New Zealand helped me get over here to, um, yeah, everyone that's uh, that's supported me over the years. I mean, even all my sponsors that throughout my whole career that it's it's been a hell of a ride this, this journey over you know since I was seventeen years old, first time coming to the states, but thirteen years old when I started wakeboarding, and it's it's been amazing, and and I wouldn't you know. Even the, even the, if it's different board sponsors, I still appreciate them just as much as as all the rest because you know they're all stepping stones along the way and have helped me to get where I'm at and um, yeah and follow me on uh, on Instagram at Brad Smaler so it's S M E E L E um, also on Facebook uh, Brad Smaler's Recovery and so is is Brad Smaler you on Facebook too. That, that might that could be me yeah, yeah cool <laughs> yeah awesome all right brother well no no fist bumps here how do we do it it's all about the headbutts now and uh you know hey don't don't keep it with just me i, I saw a few people at surf expo headbutting each other just yeah. to say what up so you know just don't be scared to approach just a little bit of a head bump just that's my version of a handshake a high five or a fist bump so. take it all right be rad let's do that yeah yeah <laughs> all right dude thanks a ton my friend yeah thank you so much for having me here dano it's a pleasure to be back on the golden mike podcast once again and you know hopefully it won't be the last time absolutely it's history yes. Z4 belts are the newest wakeboarding accessory to hit the market. Made of premium TPE thermoplastic, Z4 belts are waterproof and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Available in multiple colors and designs, Z4 allows you to mix and match straps and buckles to create your own unique color combinations. Z4 stands for choose your color, choose your cause. Use code MANO2016 at C4Belts.com for 10% off your purchase. Look good, do good. C4 Belts. Woodrow's is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and the love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Use my promo code MANO30 and you'll get an additional 30% off your entire order. Once again, that's promo code MANO, M-A-N-O-3-0 at Woodrow's.com for 30% Set off everything. That's W O O D R O Z E dot com. The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. What an honor and a treat to again have the chance to sit down and talk with Brad Smilla. 
Brad is a brave and strong dude. I appreciated his openness to tell a story, and I think for anybody who hasn't met Brad in person, I think the episode really showed how amazingly strong Brad is, and mentally strong. If there's one thing you can learn from this one, it's just live. Work hard, play hard, be gracious, and dream big. I want to thank the Brown family, Mike and Robin, and all the kids who hosted us for a barbecue the evening of the interview. It was my last night in Orlando for a while before hitting the road for a few more events, and Brad went to California shortly after that, so it was good seeing. We had Eric Ruck and Chad Sharp and Dean Smith and Amber Wing, and it was just a nice crew, and it was uh, it was just a nice evening, and we were glad we all got to link up and spend one more night with Brad before he headed out of town. Event-wise, I'm pretty mellow the next month or two. If you're in Burlington, Wisconsin, this Saturday, November 5th, I'll be hanging out at the Wisconsin State Yo-Yo Contest. Then, November 19th, announcing the Illinois State Yo-Yo Contest. Other than that, uh, I'll just be prepping for 2017, working a little side job up in Chicago, and spending some time with my lady and my family. If you guys are interested in having me announce, commentate, or appear at your next event, or just any question in general, feel free to email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike on Instagram at Dano T. Mano and be sure to like and share the Golden Mike podcast Facebook page. One more time, guys, don't forget to sign up for your chance to win 500 pounds of Lead Wake Ballast in the Golden Mike Podcast Lead Wake Giveaway happening this month. Message me for more details. One more thank you to Brad Smela. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, GoPuck, Hungry Boards, SUP, Malibu Boats, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy, and Ledwake. Want to thank Jenna Hamill on the website and Rich Walsh on the audio. That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.